guys. Welcome back to the Beck and Call podcast. I'm your host, Merritt Beck. I am a longtime fashion blogger and a single woman in my 30s who loves to chat all things life, work, and love. So I wanted to bring that to life on this podcast. You can consider the Beck and Call podcast a weekly catch up with your internet bestie, where I discuss recent recs and reviews, answer listener questions, and discuss fun, interesting topics relevant to women in their 20s, 30s, and beyond. Each episode follows the same structure with dedicated segments you can rely on week after week. So without further ado, let's get into this week's episode. I am coming off such a fun, fabulous weekend in Mexico, and honestly, I'm not ready to be back in real life. In case you missed last week's episode, I was in Isla Mujeres to celebrate my friend Emma's bachelorette, and Emma and I really started hanging out last fall. So while the friendship is fairly new, it's safe to say we've become close very quickly. I was so flattered when she invited me on the bachelorette trip and was so excited to go. Isla Mujeres is a small island off of Cancun, and I'd never been before and didn't really have any idea what to expect. We flew directly from DFW to Cancun on Thursday, which is actually a super easy and fairly short flight. Once at the airport, a driver picked us up to transport us all over to the ferry we needed to take to get over to the island. Unfortunately, there was some construction going on that day, so the drive took a lot longer than we anticipated. It felt like we were in the car for about an hour before we got to the ferry, but I do want to note that on the way back, it was only 20 minutes. So assuming you arrive and there isn't some major road work happening or some other issue, it really is fairly quick. We got to the ferry. The ferry was about 20 minutes long and super easy, but it's very busy and I it when it is busy, there's seating up top, which is open air and total sun. And then there's seating inside with air conditioning. And we were sort of at the back of the line. So we were up top and it was pretty hot. It was like 85 degrees, full sun, We're like right by the equator. So by the time we arrived, we were all pretty sweaty and <laughs> tired and hungry. And it took about 10 minutes to get from the ferry terminal to the villa. The second we arrived at the villa, we were handed freshly made margaritas and met with the most impressive display of cheeses, fresh ceviche, fresh fruit. Not only was it beautiful, it was so good. We were insanely hungry (laughs) after the journey. We didn't even wait to do a house tour before demolishing the food they'd prepared. It was so good. And if I'm being honest, it would be a challenge to choose which is better, the villa or the food. (laughs) Both were so outstanding. So the villa we stayed in is called Villa Zianya. It's Z-Y-A-N-Y-A, and it features a main house and a guest house. The main house has four bedrooms and sleeps 10, while the guest house has two bedrooms and sleeps four. But they also have very large kind of living areas that people can spread out and hang out and, you know, relax. Housekeeping was included, and then there is an option for a professional private chef to prepare your meals, and we absolutely did that. The only day we left the property was when we rented a catamaran on Saturday for four hours. So unless you want to do that or walk around town, there's really no reason to leave the villa. It is so well appointed. It's got the most incredible views overlooking the beach and the water from every single room. I should also mention the beds were so freaking comfortable. I've got to figure out what the mattress topper pillow top situation was going on on those beds because it was insane. I slept so deeply there. It was so, so nice. They have an amazing patio and pool overlooking the water and the beach. 
They had a storage room full of games with pool floats and yoga mats and so many other things. So really anything you wanted to do at the house, you could. While I didn't manage to reach my daily step goal on this trip or fit in a major workout any of the days, I did fit in a small 20-minute Sculpt Society workout both on Friday and Saturday thanks to those yoga mats and the storage closet. With all the food we were eating, it was just, it felt nice to move my body a little bit. But anyway, after we arrived and got settled Thursday, we all threw on our swimsuits and hung by the pool until dinner time. The first night we had chicken tacos with handmade corn tortillas and a beautiful flan, which I'm not normally a flan fan, but I really enjoyed this one. Chef Louise could truly make anything amazing. Um, He's the best. I want to be best friends with him. I would go back to the villa just for his cooking. Incredible. So we were all exhausted from our early flights and the travel day, so we didn't end up staying up too late that first night. But Friday morning, we had a delicious spread of breakfast tacos with bacon, fresh fruit and mimosas, and then spent the entire day by the pool. And Chef Luis and the staff kept bringing out various cocktails for us, including spicy margaritas, pina coladas, tequila shots. He also brought out snacks for us, including these chicken nachos with beans and sliced jalapenos. And the chicken was left over from dinner the night before, but it tasted totally different in this preparation. It was so good. It was the best poolside snack. And we were honestly laughing all day long. I swear I got the hiccups three different times and ended up complaining about it quite a bit because I couldn't stop laughing and it actually became pretty painful after a while, but it was totally worth it. It was just so much fun to enjoy some unadulterated girl talk and just act like we were kids again. Think lots of synchronized swimming, talent shows in the pool. We even played a pretty risque game of Never Have I Ever. And let's just say we all learned quite a bit about each other. (laughs) It was the best day. On Friday night, we dined al fresco in this little alcove of Mayan ruins that is situated right below the villa. You can see it. And if you were following me on Instagram this weekend, you probably saw some photos of that. But I'll be sure to share on the Beck and Call podcast Instagram page, as well as other photos of the property and the food we ate. So definitely follow along at Beck and Call podcast on Instagram for that. But back to dinner on Friday night. Like I said, we dine in this little alcove of Mayan ruins. They'd set up string lights and festive decor and a little seating area in addition to the picnic table and chairs that they set up. And it was pretty hot during the day, the entire time we were there, but nighttime was really lovely because there's breeze, a breeze coming off the water. And because we were down below, it was, it was really nice and we were very comfortable down there. For dinner, Chef Louis served surf and turf, so fresh lobster and a butter sauce and a tomahawk steak. And then he also served that with a crisp salad and the most delicious mashed potatoes. But honestly, the highlight of that meal for me was the coconut layer cake. It was so moist and decadent, but it was not too sweet. It featured toasted coconut strips on top of the icing, which added a really nice crunch, which gave it kind of the perfect texture in every bite. I actually ended up eating a slice of it for breakfast the next morning because I got up at seven and breakfast wasn't being served till 10. No regrets. It was the best thing ever. After dinner, we played Fishbowl, which is a super fun game that combines charades, password, and taboo. You can Google it if you want to find out how to play, so I'm not going to describe it all here, but it's definitely a great game to play, especially with a big group. You can kind of have any number of people participating. With that said, I suck at it. I'm so bad at this game. I played this game once before at my friend Taylor's Bachelorette in Port Aransas with an even bigger group, and it was... Like I, I'm so bad. Like, I don't think anybody wanted me on their team. It is just not my forte, but it is a really fun game. 
On Saturday morning, Chef Luis prepared stuffed poblano peppers that were then fried and served with fresh tomatillo sauce. So good. Along with a mango coconut French toast that he made using conchas, which is a traditional Mexican sweetbread roll. It was mind blowing, you guys. He said he sliced the conchas in half, dipped them in egg and then coconut flakes before frying them. So they were sort of crunchy. And then for the syrup, he just combined pureed mango with maple syrup. It was incredible. Now, I don't have conchas here in the U.S., but that would definitely be something I'd be interested in making um, if I ever find a recipe for those. But that was it was really like that was the highlight of the breakfast to me. That was my favorite breakfast we had for sure. Then we had about an hour to get ready and rest and like just recover from an insane breakfast. But around lunchtime, taxis took us over to where the catamaran was docked and we boarded for a four hour trip. Our first stop was at a shipwreck, which I guess happened in a hurricane in the 80s. And we went there to snorkel, which is one of my absolute favorite things to do in the ocean. I'm not super adventurous or much of a daredevil. Like I tried to do scuba diving once and like had a panic attack. But snorkeling is definitely up my alley. So (laughs) I had a good time with that. But we didn't last there too long because the current was super strong and we all got in quite a workout just trying to stay in place and swim through the shipwreck. So we only stayed, I think, about 30 minutes or so. And then we packed it in and moved to another location closer to the beach so we could swim in a more leisurely manner with beer and (laughs) floaties and that kind of thing. So the rest of the afternoon, we literally just sat on life jackets in the water with beers in our hand, floating and laughing and celebrating and talking. It was such a blast and definitely one of the highlights of the trip. If you go there, I would absolutely recommend running a catamaran out for the day or half a day like we did just to mix things up from the villa. All of this can be done through Villa Zyanya if you stay there. They arranged the transportation, the rentals, et cetera. The communication was really great while we we were there. So can't recommend that enough. And then for our last dinner, Chef Luis prepared whitefish with a caper sauce, the most insane creamed corn with kind of jalapenos. He might have also put serrano. I can't remember exactly what he said, but it was spicy and creamy and delicious. There were mashed potatoes, there was a salad, and then it was followed by a pineapple upside down cake, which I don't, I feel like I've had it before, but I've never been that intrigued by it. I love pineapple, but something about it just doesn't like excite me. Y'all, it was out of this world. After the coconut cake and this upside down cake, I had to ask Chef Luis for the recipes. Luckily, y'all can get the book there from too. So both recipes are from the Heartwood Cookbook, Wild Flavors from the Edge of the Yucatan. Naturally, I ordered it immediately from Amazon. It arrives today. (laughs) I'll definitely be making those cakes at some point because they truly were life-changing. I think my mom would absolutely love the coconut cake. If I happen to see her around her birthday, I will definitely be making that. Aside from the fabulous cake my friend Laura of Laura Cutler Pastries made for my birthday, these were two of the best cakes I've ever eaten in my entire life. They were so good. I only hope that Chef Luis didn't change the recipes and I'm sure he has his own special chef flair, but I hope he didn't because I want to recreate them and have them be just as good. So (laughs) fingers crossed. That night, we threw a little lingerie shower for Emma and played a couple of games and then went to bed. That's sort of what this trip was, and it was my ideal setup. So a big party during the day and then taking it easy at night and sleeping well. We all felt great the whole trip and got to enjoy every second without a hangover, which as you guys know, I've been trying to limit my alcohol intake this past year. So 
I was thrilled that I didn't have to worry about that this weekend. The taxis were picking us up at 7 a.m. on Sunday to take us to the ferry, but Chef Luis prepared one last breakfast for us that he served at 6.30 a.m. He's a saint, you guys. I loved him so much. He made us chilaquiles along with these cinnamon roll pancakes. Can you even? Like all of these meals, each one was better than the last. (laughs) They were all so good. I was almost, like I said, more sad to leave the private chef than I was to leave the villa. And I've decided that's my new life goal, to be rich enough to have a private chef because it truly made every day we were there so much more special. And I mean, food is life. (laughs) Our journey back home was a breeze and I was back in my house by 2.30 and had enough time to get a long walk in and relax and shower off from the day of travel. But I really can't say enough amazing things about Villa Zyanya. I'll be sure to include a link and photos and all of the details on the Instagram page, Beck and Call Podcast, if you want to follow there. It was such a special, beautiful weekend and so much fun celebrating Emma. I'm sure Emma will be chatting a lot more about her bachelorette on her podcast this week. So definitely head over to That's What E Said to listen to her recap. Her wedding is right around the corner, and I can't wait to celebrate her and Zach more come October 15th. Before we get into some new recs and reviews for this week, I thought I'd remind you to rec and review too. So please continue to share the podcast. And if you haven't already, please take a moment to give Beck and Call a five-star rating and write a review on Apple Podcasts. It means so much to me, and I read every single one. You can also write on Spotify now for anyone who listens there. Thank you again for continuing to listen and support and share the podcast. It truly helps more than you know, and I appreciate it so, so much. Now let's chat this week's recs and reviews. Last week, I listened to Meghan Markle's podcast, Archetypes, which released its first full episode. This podcast is meant to investigate, dissect, and subvert the labels that try to hold women back. The first episode featured Serena Williams, who is a friend of Meghan's, to discuss the misconception of ambition. For example, they discuss moments where Serena was unfairly treated when compared to her male counterparts in tennis, and also moments when Megan has been kind of attacked for being ambitious, if you will. I really enjoyed their discussion, uh, but I do think we heard more from Megan than we did from Serena. I don't know if that is going to be common in all of the episodes or if it was just the first episode to get things going. But I guess it makes sense to hear more from her since it is her podcast and that she's also sharing tidbits about her own life and experiences. I just I kind of expected to hear more from Serena. I feel like they went in and out of the interview and then did little clips of just Megan talking without Serena. And then they did a lot of underlying music and a lot of audio clips throughout the episode, which isn't something I'm really used to hearing on podcasts. And it made it feel more like a TV interview, I guess. But all in all, I really enjoyed it. And I'm looking forward to hearing more from Megan and also her guests. She mentioned she's going to have other celebrities, activists, friends of hers. So we should be hearing from a wide range of voices. And I'm looking forward to hearing more about these topics. And while we're on the subject of Megan, she's actually the September cover star for The Cut, which is the fashion society and culture arm of New York Magazine. The interview and article came out today and can be found on thecut.com if you want to read it. There are a lot of beautiful photos and an interview with her interspersed with information we already know, but we also hear more about their home in Montecito and get peeks into their current lifestyle as they're kind of busy going full steam ahead with all of their new projects like the podcast 
this docu-series that's been hinted and other things like charitable endeavors. I also loved the little anecdotes about the house, like the two connected palm trees and even the cute harvest basket that Megan sends the interviewer home with, which features jam from the Lily Bunny Garden and Larder. And Megan had little labels made on Etsy for the jars. That just sounds so cute. And I, I want to see more insights like that. Like I'm so excited to see more from Megan. And she also hinted that she's bringing back her Instagram. Now, I don't know if that's going to be a dual Instagram for her and Harry, or if this is just going to be for the podcast, but she did, she did say she's getting back on Instagram. So really excited about that. The photos used for the spread are also gorgeous. So definitely check that out. And especially if you're a Megan fan, check out the article. I thought it was fun. I also started and finished a show called Never Have I Ever last week. I hadn't even heard of this show or seen it anywhere until Emma mentioned it on her podcast. That's what E said a couple weeks ago, but I decided to give it a try last week and I am hooked. I've already finished all three seasons and can't wait for the fourth. It's a coming of age sitcom featuring an American Indian girl named Davy who desperately wants to be cool and finally snag a boyfriend in high school. Who can relate? <laughs> her character is hilarious and a lot of her snarky one-liners have elicited real laugh out loud moments for me, which is really, really rare. I rarely laugh out loud when watching TV or movies. So in addition to it being incredibly funny and lighthearted, The show also features way more serious storylines like having to do with grief and loss. She loses her dad at a young age, and so they weave in and out of these storylines with grace. And as someone who has lost her own father, I find myself relating to Davy a lot. Some of my very favorite moments in the show have actually been the scenes she's in with her therapist, played by Niecy Nash. Even though the show is for entertainment, there are a lot of special takeaways, and I think the advice she gets is real and impactful, and I actually found myself writing things down throughout the show to remember. Like, even in this last episode that I watched last night of the third season, I wrote down the following two lines. Grief is an expression of love. Um, And this was spoken by Des's mom to Davey when she's having a flashback about her dad at her orchestra concert. And then the other one that I wrote down is, you're never too much and you're always enough, which Davy's mom tells her when she's feeling like she'll never find someone who will love her. There are just so many joyful and also heartbreaking moments in this series, and it really pulls at your heartstrings. I can't recommend it enough. I love it so much. I think anyone would love this show, but there is there is quite a bit of sexual dialogue. She's talking about wanting to like hook up with guys and sleep with guys and Uh, She's in high school, so I wouldn't necessarily share this with like really young, really young people, maybe like maybe don't watch this with your kids. But as an adult, I really, really enjoyed this show. I've ever really talked about on my blog or anywhere else before this, just because it didn't really make sense for my content. But as a self-employed person, staying on a consistent insurance plan was a challenge for a while. Back when I first left my full-time job to pursue my blog, every year my insurance plan would change with the insurance company often booting me to a new plan. Because of this, I had to find a new gynecologist and primary care physician every single year. It was such a pain, not only to have to start fresh with someone new every year, but also making the appointments was a nightmare. I wouldn't know if the doctor in my network was accepting new patients unless I called. And when I did call to make an appointment, 
the earliest they could get me in for a new patient intake appointment was like several months out every time because they take longer. That's usually what happens. So naturally, I had to make a lot of calls to find a doctor able to fit me in sooner rather than later. I wish I'd known about my new podcast sponsor, ZocDoc, back then because they have completely changed the game for finding the right doctor and making the appointment scheduling process so effortless. ZocDoc is a free app that shows you doctors who are patient-reviewed, take your insurance, and are available when you need them. With ZocDoc, booking an appointment with a doctor that suits your needs, fits your schedule, is in your network and your neighborhood is so easy. Honestly, just the fact that I can avoid having to call doctor's offices now is such a dream. I can see availability and book appointments online, no hassle. Go to ZocDoc.com slash beck and call and download the ZocDoc app for free. Then start your search for a top rated doctor today. Many are available within 24 hours. That's Z-O-C-D-O-C dot com slash beck and call. ZocDoc.com slash beck and call. Coming off of Emma's bachelorette trip, I thought this week's episode, we could focus on a topic that has been highly requested since I started this podcast, how to make friends as an adult. I think it's safe to say most of us have friends from way back when, whether that be childhood, college, high school, summer camp, whatever it is. As time goes on, friendships can ebb and flow and often evolve with the current life stages you and each of your friends happen to be in at any given moment. When you get older and as friends start coupling up, getting married and having kids, oftentimes those friends you used to rely on for grabbing drinks and dinner, going out, or just casual weekend hangs become less available. While you still love them and try to see them, they're busy with things that prevent them from being as flexible as they once were, which causes your social circle to feel like it's dwindling. And this has certainly happened to me. I even discussed this in one of my very first podcast episodes called Friendships and Life Stages. This was before I had a little more structure to my podcast, so it's probably not the best episode, but I've definitely experienced this and it can be super frustrating. So when those friends start to become less available, I started counting on a very small number of single friends for plans each weekend. This ended up being super frustrating to me as sometimes plans would fall through and I'd be left with nothing to do. This became a real pain point for me last fall and I was actually starting to feel pretty lonely, which isn't something I feel very often. I'm very independent. I love my alone time. But when I could only get one or two people to commit to plans each week, it really gave me anxiety. Every weekend, I'd sort of be anxious about whether a plan would stay and or whether it would fall through and I wouldn't have plans. It was just, it was really stressful for me for some reason. So that's part of the reason why I ended up hosting a meetup in Dallas for my podcast listeners last fall. I ended up meeting quite a few ladies at that meetup that I still hang out with, whether that's just grabbing dinner occasionally or playing Mahjong monthly. As I mentioned before, making new friends as an adult is a topic I've gotten requests for since I started this podcast. I think we can all relate to navigating friendship changes as we get older and our lifestyles change. So I'd love to discuss some tips for expanding your social circle, whether you're new to a city or just hoping to make some friends in a similar life stage to the one you're currently in. Here are a few places you could find some like-minded people to connect with. One place I've met people in the past is at workout classes I go to consistently. Whether you are a pure bar junkie or a regular at Orange Theory, you'll often see a lot of the same people attend classes at a certain time. At Orange Theory, for example, I would start up a conversation with the person on the treadmill next to me, or 
I'd make conversation during the breaks with the people in my group because they make you do team challenges every once in a while. If you see some of those same people consistently and you're building a rapport with them, suggest grabbing a coffee or drink after class one day and then go from there. Some workout studios like Orange Theory also have events or group happy hours too, so that could be a good opportunity to establish a friendship outside of the actual class if you're like a little too scared to ask people in class. Another idea would be to join a book club or a Bible study. If you're wanting to go the Bible study route, you can either start at your church or check out a few of the Bible studies offered at churches in your area. At most churches, you don't actually have to be a member to join a Bible study. You can just attend to see how you like it. And many list the dates and times of Bible studies, as well as other small group sessions on their website. So that would certainly be an easy place to start. I know some people have Bible studies outside their church with their friends and friend groups. So you might also ask around your current friend group to see if they know of anyone who is part of one like that, that they enjoy. Same for the book club idea. I would ask your friends and coworkers if they or someone they know is in a book club and just express an interest in joining one. If not, you can always create one yourself and invite them to join. Your friends may end up inviting additional people you don't already know, which will allow you to meet more people with similar interests. Another great way to meet people in your area is to volunteer or join the committee or board of an organization you'd love to support. In addition to volunteering and donating your time to the organization and likely meeting so many people that way, they often have outside fundraisers, events, galas, etc. that would introduce you to a lot of new people also interested in supporting that organization. Another idea would be to join a social club or country club. So my sister loves golf and doesn't drink, so she decided to go the country club route in Austin where we have a lot of family friends who are members. I, however, am not super athletic and am more interested in the social aspect of a club, so Parkhouse makes more sense for me since it's strictly a social club. I love the various events they put on from smaller wine tastings to the big blowout theme parties. They send out emails every single week with fun new things to participate in, and there's always a good crowd when I go. Soho House is a popular private social club option that's now in a bunch of cities like Austin, Chicago, New York, LA, London, Nashville, Miami, etc. If you live in a smaller or more suburban town, a country club may be your best bet. Either way, a country club will have events and activities that you can participate in like tennis, workout classes, golf, etc. that would allow you to meet some new people. While we're on the subject of events, another thing you can do is to go to local events that interest you. You could go to new store openings or gallery events, book signings, industry workshops and happy hours, food, wine or music festivals, art exhibitions. There's so many things you can do and you can easily find out about these events just by Googling it. I'd search September events in Dallas, for example, and a website like Culture Map will pop up with a calendar and a list of all the events going on that month. I'd also recommend signing up for the email newsletter of stores and restaurants and places you love. If you want to get details on happy hours or events they'll be having coming up, I guarantee so many of them will have holiday events and happy hours later this season. So it's a great, great time to gift shop and also a great way to make some new contacts. If you're more of an introvert and events like that stress you out, try a service like Bumble BFF to find some people with similar interests in your area. It's a super easy way to connect with others, and there's no pressure or awkwardness since they're also looking for the same thing. Another idea in the same vein as that is to connect with like-minded people in Facebook groups based on your interests. I don't have a Facebook group set up for my podcast, but many podcasts do, and I've heard that's a great way to connect with other people. 
They often have location-based posts where users can connect to meet offline. Another example of this is I know Peloton has a bunch of different kind of unaffiliated groups. I know there's a Peloton singles group on Facebook. You could, this is like dating related, not really friend related, but you could go on there and post your location and people would respond. So definitely check out Facebook groups. There may be other groups based on your interests. Like if you love an author or if you love, I don't know, I can't think of anything else, but definitely podcasts. If you have podcasts that you love and they have Facebook groups, check those out. Last but not least, ask your friends to set you up. And also don't be afraid to reach out to friends of friends to make a connection. My friend Emma is a great example of this. I'd met Emma a couple of times over the years before we started hanging out because she's friends with my friend Amy. We both did participated in this Bat on Paper live show with the Bat on Paper podcast. We've also worked with a lot of similar people since we'd both worked for LTK previously. We never worked there at the same time, but we do know a lot of the same people. But it wasn't until she started listening to my podcast last fall and then reached out to grab drinks that we started hanging out. So just like with dating, someone's got to make the first move to make a plan. And I'm so glad Emma did because she's quickly become one of my closest friends. And it's barely been a year since we first hung out one on one. You may think, you know, all of your best friends, friends, but I swear you don't. They have coworkers, friends they met through their kids, old summer camp friends, college and high school friends maybe Mahjong or Bible study friends. There's probably a whole extended network of people you've never met yet. So don't be afraid to ask your friends to set you up with some of them. Maybe suggest a happy hour or dinner where you can each bring a friend or two that the other doesn't know. It's just a fun way to extend your social circle and meet new people. And you know, you're going to like them because they're friends with your friend. I just think that's an easy way to do it. Making friends as an adult can be daunting, but it's also really rewarding. You learn more about yourself as you age and likely have a better understanding of what you're looking for in friendships. In high school and college, the friends you make are often due to circumstance and your environment. So for example, the girls in your sorority in college, friends you make in class, friends you make at summer camp. As an adult, though, you have the opportunity to be more selective about the people you invite into your life. I think that's a beautiful thing. Hopefully this gives you guys some ideas for meeting new people and making new friends in your area. If you have other questions or suggestions on this topic, please consider calling the hotline at 214-620-0473 to share with the other listeners. guys, we have made it to the beck and call segment, which if you're new here is an advice segment where I answer listener questions every week. You can call into the hotline at 214-620-0473 to leave a voicemail or submit your questions via email to info at beckandcallpodcast.com. No topic is off limits. So please keep submitting questions every week so we can keep this segment going. Let's get into this week's voicemail. Hi, Merritt. My name is Lydia, and I've been following you for a few years now and love listening to your podcast every week. I'm in my mid-20s and will be graduating from grad school um, this coming May. I'm in a field where I could most likely get a job anywhere, and while that's exciting, it's also overwhelming. I'm single right now, so I really feel like I can go wherever I want. Um, My parents moved to Houston a few years ago while I was in college, and my brother has since moved there as well. While I'm definitely considering moving to Houston, I wonder if I should take this opportunity to move somewhere more fun or exciting. 
not that Houston isn't those things. I just wouldn't have it on my list if my family wasn't also there. Um, some other cities I'm considering are Chicago, Charleston, and Nashville. I have a lot of the same interests as you, hence why I love your podcast. Um, I enjoy shopping, trying new restaurants, and traveling. And I would really just appreciate your advice on deciding where to live or how you've made those decisions for yourself. I know you've talked about living in a few different places, but I just really love any extra advice you can give. Thank you so much. Hi, Lydia. Thanks so much for calling in and for your kind words about the podcast. I'm so glad to hear you're enjoying it. Also, congrats on nearly completing grad school. That is such an amazing accomplishment and you should be very proud of yourself. Now, as far as where to move, while I'm sure it's tempting to move to Houston since you have family there, I do think you're in a unique position that you can really go wherever you want. Perhaps this is the time to step out of your comfort zone and give a new city a try. Houston is great, and I have several friends who are very happy there, but I wouldn't say it's the most exciting place to live. I love living in Texas, don't get me wrong, but part of me wishes I'd taken advantage of a clean slate after college and tried something totally new like New York or Chicago or even L.A. It's sort of like studying abroad. That's one piece of advice I'd give to any college student is to take advantage of that. And this is sort of the same thing. If you move to Houston, where your family is, chances are you'll be there a long time, if not forever. If you're not ready to commit to Houston just yet, I'd consider one of the cities you mentioned. All three sound like great choices, but are very, very different. With Chicago, you've got amazing restaurants, Midwestern hospitality. It's easy to fly to and from. They've got a great dating scene and all of the trappings that come with being in a big city with nearly 2.7 million residents. It feels a lot like New York, but it's not nearly as crowded. The drawbacks are that you deal with long, cold winters, and there is quite a bit of crime around the city. I absolutely love Chicago and think it would be such a fun place to live, especially if you're young and going out and dating and all of that. So that would probably be a top choice for me. Nashville is smaller than Chicago, but it still has over 1.2 million residents in the metro area. All of the people I know who live in Nashville don't actually live downtown, though. They live in suburban areas around the city. I haven't ever known anyone who has lived there single in their 20s, so I can't speak to what the vibe is like with dating, going out, etc. Of the three cities you listed, this would probably be the last on my list, but that's just me. I would probably want to live somewhere that was really walkable and there was a lot going on. And I'm not saying Nashville doesn't have that. I just don't know anyone who's single who lives there, and so I can't speak to it. Charleston is charming and beautiful and also has amazing restaurants, but I've heard the dating scene there isn't too great. I've also heard it's sometimes a challenge to travel to and from if you do travel a lot because the airport is so small and you're looking at a lot of connections, not a lot of um, direct flights. So while the weather is beautiful there a lot of the year, it gets very hot and humid in the summer. So just kind of the opposite of Chicago there. It's a much smaller city than the others you've mentioned with over 700,000 residents. And if you're living downtown, it is very walkable. Charleston also seems like such an idyllic place to live and the walkability makes it easy to explore and really get to know all areas around town. I bet you can't go wrong with any of these cities, but those would all be points I'd want to consider when deciding where to live. But best of luck with your decision and I hope your final year of grad school is a breeze. Now let's get into a couple of email submissions. The first one reads, Hi Merit, I'm loving the podcast and would love your input on something. I'm turning 30 this year and just recently received a promotion. I want to splurge on something for myself. 
The most intriguing thing to me so far is an Hermes scarf. I'm looking to spend around $500. I love classic items and would describe my style as classic, but comfy, i.e. lots of linen and seersucker in the summer. This would be my very first splurge item. So anything you recommend, I promise I don't already have. Thank you for writing in and happy 30th. I love that you're going to treat yourself with a special gift to celebrate. While I like the idea of an Hermes scarf, and I think that's totally a great way to go if you wear scarves a lot. But for me personally, I don't wear scarves a lot. So I wouldn't want to spend that money on something I wouldn't get much use out of, especially if this is your first splurge purchase. But again, it comes down to whether you think you're going to wear it a lot. If that's something that you will wear, absolutely go for it. Find colors that you think will go really well with your wardrobe. Find a print that you love. Some other ideas, though would be a pair of Chanel ballet flats. The The price for a brand new pair is $8.50 now, which is ridiculous. But the real real has a lot of gently used pairs around $500. I love my Chanel ballet flats. They're timeless, never go out of style. So that's just something to consider if you are open to a gently used option. Some other ideas for treating yourself with a $500 budget would be a nice pair of earrings, a designer wallet, or an elegant pair of boots for fall winter, which can usually be more pricey because of the materials used. And I just think shoes go a long way for an outfit. So that's what I would probably do. But happy birthday. I hope it's the best birthday yet. And I hope you find something you love. Here's the last question for this week, which is also fashion related. Hi, Merritt. I was wondering if you could do a quick review of your Stuart Weitzman combat boots. I'm wondering how they've held up and whether you think they'll still be stylish for a few more fall winter seasons. I'm seriously considering a pair. Absolutely. So I bought the Stuart Weitzman Colby combat boots last fall winter, and they were actually included in my holiday winter capsule. If you're looking for outfit inspo and ideas for how to style them, definitely check that out on my blog, thestylescribe.com. I love these boots. They're so incredibly comfortable and wearable. If you walk around a lot all day or need a comfortable boot for sightseeing on trips this winter, I highly recommend these boots. I've only had mine for one season, but they've held up so well. They look brand new still. And if I'm being honest, I wore them a lot. And I was surprised to discover that they look great with everything from jeans and leggings tucked into a sweater dress with tights. It was actually such a chic look. And I actually recreated the capsule looks on my Instagram. I don't know if they're in the feed or if they were just in my stories, but they looked really cute with the sweater dresses that I had. So I was very happy about that. They are true to size, but I sized up a half size to a 10 because I wanted to wear them with really thick wool socks. I plan to take them with me on my Europe trip after Thanksgiving, which I haven't fully told you guys about yet. But while they are combat boots, I love the subtle gold chain trim around the edge of the boot. I think it adds a glam touch and elevates them so they don't feel so casual and grunge-like. I'll be sure to share a few pictures of me wearing them, plus a link to shop them on the Beck and Call podcast Instagram page. So definitely check that out. But they're amazing boots. They are a little pricey, but I've always found that Stuart Weitzman shoes held, hold up really well. They're really high quality. They're beautiful on. So definitely recommend those. And that's about it for this week's episode. Please be sure to rate, review, and subscribe to Beck and Call on Apple Podcasts and follow along on Instagram at Beck and Call Podcast. You can also follow me, Merritt Beck, on Instagram for more fashion content. Thanks again for tuning in, and I will catch you guys next week. Bye. (music)